0: people come to McDermott Road for a variety of reasons, but there's a lot of things I believe we do have in common when we are asked or share, uh, what is it about McDermott Road that you like, or what is it that brought you here, what is it that keeps you here? Uh, I have the the blessing of meeting with all new families that place membership and often hear some of those things expressed. And some of those are very uh, visual things that are easily seen. You know, they may talk about the the convenience of the building or they have family here or they like the singing, they like the preaching, uh, classes, different things that go on. Uh, I think there's a lot of continuity here, a lot of organization that we're blessed with. We try to take advantage of all the technology we can to keep people informed in this busy place that we all live. Uh, in fact, even when I look at our uh, worship guide today on our bulletin, it always says order of worship. In other words, there's order there. <laughs> In as you know every Sunday kind of how it's going to be. Some of you may follow that as we go through. Uh, I mentioned this morning the first service, what if next Sunday that said spontaneous worship? And we just, when you had a song, you sang it, and if you had a scripture, you read it. And uh, I said, uh, it may take us a month to get over that and uh, get everybody back, you know, from a big change like that. But uh, there's uh, a lot of things that we have in common about when we're asked, what is it that you like or... Uh, what impresses you or what is it that's important to you about the church uh, that you attend. But on a deeper level, it comes probably more into ministry. You know that uh, not only have you made friends here, uh, but you've got into a life group and uh, you found a place that you belong and you found uh, something that you do and you're plugged into the ladies ministry or your children are being raised in the youth group or the Bible classes that you've put your kids into, and now that you're teaching in, so it's a much deeper level. But that's still, I guess, what we'd call a, a kind of experiential in that regard. Uh, but the the deepest level that keeps someone in a church or a commonality that we really want people to to dive into and, and become grounded in is when the roots go deep and it's more of a spiritual uh, dedication that you have. It's the transformational growth that takes place in a person's life. It's uh, uh, the growth through prayer. It's the growth through God's Word that you're getting. It's what you take home from Sunday that keeps your battery and your energy going throughout the week. Uh, far beyond just the, again, the physical and the overt things that take place here on a Sunday Sunday. And this morning, I want to talk about one of those principles that, that go deep. And just one. And it's an Im- biblical imperative, really, for our church. I think it would be a biblical imperative for the Church of Christ on McDermott Road. And this one is essential. It's urgent. And dare I say, it is the biblical imperative that we have because it's the theme of the Bible from generation from Genesis to Revelation. It's a principle in the Bible that you can't miss and we really can't be the church without it. You know, there are a lot of things we could do at McDermott Road that we could stop doing and we could still be the Lord's church. But not this one. And it is this statement on the screen. It is our church, it is this church, doing everything that can possibly take place to get every living soul in a saved relationship with God. And why is it that? Well, because it's simple. Because that's what God said we're to be about. That's the principle that God put in place in this world and He expects His children to be about that. And brothers and sisters, it's the foundation of the plan of God and we are His children and He is our Father. It's really why we exist. So yes, this is an understanding that we pray and hope all of us are sharing and all of us are in common with the vital nature of this principle and be on the same page when we begin to implement things that put this admonition or imperative into place. But we are human, are we not? And we live in a world with lots of different things going on, our processes, our daily life, our routine, or the way that the world affects our thinking. And we certainly can stray from things that are important, stray from principles even like the statement that we just showed. In fact, I've said, even in what I do with the work at McDermott Road, that if we're not careful, we can be so involved in church work, using that phrase, That we do not accomplish God's real will for the church, which is to be saving the world around us because we're too busy doing the other things at church. Because worldwide evangelism is God's will. How do we get to that? How can we ensure that this great work for the Lord is being done? And that what we're doing is sufficient for this foundational principle. You know, if you go back in history a little bit, you begin to see when uh, what we would call the modern age, when mission work began to actually go worldwide for the first time. And it was when people were able to go worldwide, which was around the 18th century, the 19th century certainly, as uh, countries began to spread and go to different places uh, the Christian message began to go, especially from Europe. They were sailing everywhere establishing colonies, so it was easy to go along and take the cross along with the flag. And that's why, uh, when you look at, you know, Central and South America, when you think, why is Catholicism so prevalent? Well, because the Spanish and the Portuguese missionaries went along uh, with those who began to settle those countries. But wars came and interrupted that circumstance, uh, colonies and countries began to become independent from what you might call their mother country and economic conditions changed. And so that slowed down a bit. And certainly through the early 20th century with the problems with World War I, but then when World War II was over about 70 years ago, that impetus for worldwide missions, especially in the Lord's church began to take off again, and there was a great surge. There was a lot of funds. We enjoyed peace. We had a humanitarian uh, nature about us. And so, in that sense, our national posture kind of influenced the church. Let's go back to these countries that we've been to, and let's establish the Lord's church. Up to a thousand missionaries were known to be across the world. Today, that's probably less than 200, at least American Missionaries. So, in that sense, describing circumstances that are favorable, uh, we get on board, and we like to go and like to do that. And well, we should and be thankful for that. But the danger in that is letting our interest in evangelism and missions be a co- conditioned by the climate of circumstances in which we live, and we do not then evangelize simply out of principle, which is what I'm. Addressing this morning. And so what filters even into us is when it's convenient, when it's fun, I will go. When there's something fun to do. But our desire to go into sin and to help make disciples can only be really truly accomplished when it's our nature, when it's the continual life of the church and seen as our reason for existence. You know what the Bible says, it's the theme of Scripture. Uh, Genesis began, of course, with the fall of man, but it wasn't long before after uh, that great fall that God selected a very small group of people, the Jews, in order that He might regain all of mankind. And so for several hundred years, it was those people in preparation for a time that would come when the gospel would be available to all. The promise to Abraham was just to the Jews, but there was that glimpse of all families. Isaiah 42 has that glimpse of that chosen servant being a light to the nations. And the prophets of that time, of course, did denounce idolatry and extol the living God, but still there was nothing like uh, an evangelistic enterprise from a worldwide perspective. But there's a passage in Psalms that we're going to have read for us this morning that emphasizes the worldwide nature of what this call is about. John, wants do you come on up. Brother John Williams, if you don't know, is uh, more than fluent in French and has been traveled the world and used his French. He's going to read Psalm 86 for us. And you may know there's 75 million people speaking French around the world, and then he'll read it for us in English. <coughs>
1: Psalm 86, starting verse 6 through 9. Éternel, prête l'oreille à ma prière. Sois attentif à ma voix suppliante. Au jour de ma détresse, je t'invoque, car tu me réponds. Nul n'est comme toi parmi les dieux, Seigneur, et rien ne ressemble à tes œuvres. Toutes les nations que tu as faites viendront se prosterner devant ta face, Seigneur, et rendre gloire à ton nom. Okay, reading the same thing, Psalm 86, verses six through nine. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship you and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Amen. Thank you.
0: And today there are people in the Caribbean, people in Africa, people in Europe, worshiping the Lord in French because the gospel was taken to those places. But the time was coming when the nations would go to Jerusalem to learn of the plan of God through Jesus Christ. But in this Old Testament Scriptures, that time was yet to come. But then we do get to the New Testament. We know what Jesus declares. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. It was God's plan for what has always been in place is about to happen. That's why John the Baptist can use the phrase, Behold the Lamb of God. He says, which takes away the sins of who? Takes away the sins of the world. The message is about to be ready for everyone. Something is about to happen and Jesus fulfills that plan and dies for our sins and is buried and is raised. And now there's a plan in place for the followers of Christ to fulfill. This great passage in Matthew 28 verses 16 through 20 is what we're going to have read for us now by Carmelo Cuellar. Carmelo has been uh, a Spanish preacher and has taught the gospel in Spanish for a number of years. He's going to read this. Come on up, Carmelo. Uh, Spanish is uh, very widely spoken. Carmelo's going to read Matthew
2: 28. Buenos dias. I'm going to read these passages, Matthew uh, chapter 28. Uh, to, uh, 16 to 20 in Spanish first, on the Reina Valera version, which is very popular among the Hispanics, and then I'll read it in English for you, English standard version. Pero los once discípulos se fueron a Galilea, al monte donde Jesús les había ordenado. Y cuando le vieron, le adoraron, pero algunos dudaban. Jesús se acercó y les habló diciendo, Toda potestad me es dada en el cielo y en la tierra, Por tanto, id y haced discípulos a todas las naciones, bautizándolos en el nombre del Padre y del Hijo y del Espíritu Santo, enseñándoles que guarden todas las cosas que os he mandado. Y he aquí, yo estoy con vosotros todos los días hasta el fin del mundo. Amén. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus has directed them. And when they saw him, they worship him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to and said to them, "All authority in heaven and on earth has has uh, been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold." I am with you always to the end of the age. Dios los bendiga. Had you been at first service,
0: you would have heard this passage in Psalms read in a BBO for Brother Martin's Uggbong, and the passage that uh, Carmelo just read was read by Dr. Ian Fair in the language of Afrikaans. Thankfully, what happened in Matthew 28 was obeyed. That's why we hear the Bible in so many different languages because it has gone to the entire world. In fact, this passage is sometimes called the hinge of Bible history. It's where everything turned. It's where the door opened. It's where everything God had planned was revealed. It's actually the hinge of world history. Unfortunately, most of our world does not know that. But the Old Testament hopes were now fulfilled and the nations are ready to receive the good news, ushering actually in the era. Era in which you and I now live. Revelation chapter 5 even sets the scene of God's throne where it says, uh, By your blood you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom. The message first preached in Acts chapter 2 is the same message that can be preached from this pulpit. The very first gospel sermon still applies to the 7.6 billion people that live in this world today. And that's exactly what God wants the church to be about. It's again our foundation, the foundation of the Church of Christ on McDermott Road. We sang it, did we not, this morning? You sang it. We sang Christ for the world. We sing the world to Christ we bring. With fervent prayer, the wayward and the lost, by restless passions tossed, and then a phrase, redeemed at countless cost. And I like to say that's our cost. We will redeem them at any cost from dark despair. I believe something wonderful happens when a church, when a congregation, a church family, gives prominence to worldwide evangelism. When each person every one of us catches a glimpse of how you and I can be a part of this plan that God has in place for the world and this worldwide desire to save man. Something wonderful, I think, happens to your faith. Something wonderful happens to the efforts that you will put forward here with one another and certainly in that sense becomes a blessing to the congregation or to the church as a whole. But how do we manage that? How do we energize us and put it into practice if it's so important. We have a missions group here, thankfully, the elders have put in place. We have three deacons that work uh, tirelessly in our three major areas of work. And we believe there are three things we're called to do. These are very general, but if we're not doing these three things, then we've really failed in this great principle that God has called us to. And simply, number one, is universalize the message. That is the going. That is the sending of people everywhere. And clearly, that's what Jesus asked when He said, go. I heard a preacher say, we're kind of like, uh, some of you don't remember, but there used to be a car called a you-go. And he said, church members really like that you-go phrase. In other words, you-go, I'll stay. And so the go part of Jesus' commission is for many of us the hard part or us finding a way to go. But Jesus said all nations. He said all creation. uh, The passage in Acts was to the uttermost part of the world. So every person, you name the country this morning, Mongolia, uh, Bolivia, Bulgaria, Senegal, just go through the list. The 7,600 islands of the, make up the Philippines. There are people there this morning. There are people there at this moment. And that person is someone who Jesus died for. And He loves you no more than He loves that person. And His desire is that person become His child and part of the church just as much as you are part of this church here at McDermott Road. The gospel has to go to all brethren because it is given to all. Paul was writing back to the church at Colossae and he's made a a point or two in the early part of the letter about the effect the gospel is having in the world. We sometimes have uh, used it to point out how much the gospel had spread or the gospel had literally gone everywhere in the world. Well, By this time in world history, the gospel had not gone everywhere in the world, and that's really not exactly what Paul was trying to say as much as he was trying to make a application to them to have an understanding about the impact the gospel is having throughout the world and what that means to them. In verse 6 of Colossians 1, Paul says, uh, "...of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world." is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of truth. And in verse 23, another allusion to that, he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. He's trying to get them to see that their faith in the gospel needs to be understood And the idea of it is going everywhere. People everywhere are responding the same way you are. So in a sense, he's saying what you have received has been received by all kinds of people throughout the world, not just your little corner, not just in Judea where it started. We might could say it's not just for Plano. It has to be for the whole world because it is the gospel of Christ and Paul would say, because you are part of God's worldwide work, it's something we cannot get around, something we cannot depend on someone else to do. Uh, we have our neighbors to reach. We have our coworkers. We have our families. But first of all, universalizing the message is the call. It is the principle that Jesus puts in place for us. So we do go. So we do sin. So we do support. We have some pictures here of places that we go. Uh, we've helped the work in Haiti there in the upper left-hand corner, one of the uh, orphanages there in uh, uh, South Texas, there in the middle, the work there over to the right. Uh, they're opening up one of our angel tree gifts that we do in December. The bottom left there is Estonia. There's Nikolai standing around a table of young people who are all from broken homes in, the, in Tallinn. And him and Olga teach those children on Saturday over the bottom far right is John Henry teaching on a hillside to a couple of hundred people in the country of Honduras and even here in our fellowship hall. Uh, there's Bob Roberts with one of his Friendspeak students from a foreign country who's trying to prove their English and they're using the Bible as a text. So we, ta- we take the Word through the world. But secondly... Jesus says there's more than just going. There's more than just being there. He says you need to work for people to make a valid decision for Christ. And that's when Jesus says make disciples. When you make a follower, when you've communicated a message that leads someone uh, to a decision. And that decision is not something where, uh, as we say, their people are getting wet. They're only being baptized. I I read these reports uh, from India, there's one man who reports that they baptized a million people last year and a million people the year before. That's two million Christians. And my experience over there, I'm not seeing churches with thousands of members, which is what there would have to be. I hope that's the case. But I wonder about life-changing decisions sometimes that are not being made when someone calls, is called to Christ. But that's exactly what Jesus wants. In fact, in Acts 2... There's even more to the sermon that we don't hear because it says, With many other words he testified and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Here's some pictures of us helping people make decisions. There's Ron Warpole baptizing a new brother into Christ in the bottom right there in Estonia, the upper left. Uh, this was our uh, campaign just this past February in Nicaragua where the, someone was taught while they were coming to the medical clinic. And the local preacher from that congregation is doing the baptizing and gonna welcome this new sister into the body of Christ there. And these students to that right of that are from the school in Nicaragua. They're being trained to be evangelists, not just to teach, but to bring people into the Lord's body. And the bottom left there is the school of preaching in South Texas that we support that's had so many graduates through the years. And these are men and women who are training not just to teach, but to help people Be grounded in the truth. And thirdly and finally, Jesus said, Create persistent faith. And He said that by saying, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And He didn't just say, Teach them all things. He said, Teach them to observe all things. You know what He's saying? Get them doing what they're being taught. I heard that illustrated one time by saying, I have, uh, or you, all of us, have read and know uh, what the proper diet is, don't we? You've probably read books about it. How many of us, though, observe a proper diet or put it into practice or exercise? We know all the right techniques and what we should be doing, how many days we should be working out or something like that, but how many of us actually observe it or put it into practice? The Church of Christ on McDermott Road is not only to help universalize the message and help people to make a decision to come to Christ, but to help people put down roots and become individuals and families and villages and churches that have put their faith in Christ. And even some pictures follow up with that, the way that happens. This is a retreat in the upper left hand in Estonia. Uh, this is a very important time for these, these Christians to come together and twice a year in the fall and the spring in the summer camp uh, to unite and have more in-depth classes and lectures with each other. This bottom right corner was a church building that uh, we showed a few years ago that was unfinished in Nicaragua. And the church was unable to meet there. They were meeting in a home and sitting out in outside the door, still unable to finish off this building. We challenged the church here for a special contribution. And you came through and up in the top right is the inside of that building where that church is able to worship now to help ground them to observe all things that God commanded. In the bottom left, in 1986, there was one congregation that we were helping get off the ground in the Rio Grande Valley. All those little blue stickers represent a church that has been established because of the work that we have been involved in down in the valley even pointing further south, some of those arrows down to the Monterey area. I think there would be a mission statement that we should have. I think we have a slide for this as well. What are we doing here at McDermott Road? What are we trying to accomplish? I believe we could say it like this. The Church of Christ on McDermott Road is to help spread the gospel message all over the world with such clarity that people can make a valid decision about Jesus Christ and start viable churches helping new Christians persist in their faith. To me, that's the summation of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 and what we should be about. And I would tell you, brothers and sisters, we cannot do anything less. If we do, it falls short of what Jesus asked. You know, Ford Motor Company has one job, don't they? That's to make cars and sell cars. And so if they're not doing it, they're failing. Levi's jeans. They make jeans. That's what we know them for. Wendy's sells hamburgers. And if that were to stop, then they've fallen short of what they're about. The church's job is to take the gospel to the world. And if we don't, if we fail, then we failed what the church was established to do. You know, brothers and sisters, we are, uh, we're outgrowing this building. I don't know if you've noticed. And God is good. He's blessing us with many talents. He's actually doubled our talents. You know, there's a story of the five-talent man who got five more, but you remember what he was told when he was complimented on that? He says, I will put you in charge of many things. In other words, with more talent comes more responsibility. And so I would ask this morning, are you ready for that? Are we ready for that? Because we're rapidly becoming a city on a hill. And if I ask you this morning, who sees a city on a hill? The answer is everyone does. We become brighter together. And as God blesses us with growth and more people, more maturity, the things we talked about at the beginning of the lesson... Can we not see that God expects more of us as well when we have the need to unite to reach the world with the cross of Christ? I hope you were at class this morning and see some of these great things that were taking place. There's a great opportunity tonight at 5.30 for you to learn how it's taking place here, for you to interact with some very passionate people. We're going to have a lot of our ministers represented tonight to talk to and and to see and maybe for you to ask all the questions you'd like about what's happening with our new technology ministry, with Hearts and Hands for Jesus, with Project Thrive, with World Bible School, with Friends Speak, and as well as what's happening in Estonia and Nicaragua and South Texas. In fact, we can Skype live tonight, or you can, with with uh, Eric Garcia and some of the students at Bika. You can meet them face-to-face tonight and compliment them and thank them for the good things that they're doing. And You can meet uh, Jose Cabello, and who's the director of the school in, in uh, South Texas. He's going to be at his home church. You can meet some of his members. Your children can meet them. And you can tell your kids, these are missionaries. These are people that we support. You're not going to be able to get that experience anywhere else except here tonight. I pray you'll take advantage of that. Again, I appreciate the opportunity to bring us up to date and to remind us what it's all about. Church work is great. is not. I love it. But if it's not doing what Jesus asked, we have missed it. And we're not accomplishing what He really wants us about. Uh, we've got an invitation song to sing, Brother Eric. And uh hope it challenges us. And maybe this morning there's someone outside of Christ, someone who's not experience the forgiveness of the Lamb of God that's offered for the entire world, this morning can be that opportunity. We can rejoice with you and be with you on that decision. Or there may be prayers that you need in our behalf. We certainly as a church family want to look after each other in any way we can with sharing and prayers and so forth. Our elders would welcome you in the back if that's a need as well. Let's stand and sing.